Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. We're glad you're able to join us today. I'll bring in the panelists in a moment. I just wanted to take care of some uh, housekeeping, as sometimes we say. If you're coming in on the Zoom app, please use the chat window or the Q&A box and give us your comments and questions as we go through today's program. We're going to have a very interesting, challenging topic today, uh, which we'll start in a minute. If you're coming in on uh, the Facebook page, uh, you know the deal there. Just comment away in those boxes there. We really do want to invite you to uh, text in your questions. Give us some uh, challenges, challenging questions, or make some comments about what we're talking about. Or if something that maybe we're not talking about it today and you have another topic, put it in the text box and we'll add that to the queue either for later in the same day today or we'll bring it in for next week. We also um, have, if you go to Bible, for those of you that are listening to the program on the recorded side of the world uh, in our podcast, we have a lot of people downloading and listening to our podcast. We're very thankful that you guys are, are doing that. Please uh, go to BibleQuest.tv or BibleQuest.org, either one works and go to the contact page or the page with the form on it where you want to ask or talk about certain topics, answer, uh, ask questions or make comments. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, with all of that said, let me bring, my name is Drew. I'm the host, I'm your host, and we have Jonathan Sadler. Glad to see you, Jonathan. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. And I just realized I don't have a, a fancy title to go with, uh, we got, with me. Well, you're, the, you're the host and Scott's the program well, director. And I'm just, well, I'm what just are Jonathan. we going to do? We got to do something because you were the, um, the web. There was a word we gave you when you first came up, but you're now been moved over to being a panelist. I don't know. We got to work on that. Uh, top he panelists. links us up with the live feeds. So is he the I, is he our tech wizard? How about tech? How about no? Well, our connections are. Yeah, a connection czar. I like that. I like that. <laughs> he looks like a connection czar. Yeah. Um, well, we're glad to have you today, Jonathan. I understand that you're really maybe a little need a little bit more sleep. You're yeah, how old? How old is uh, RJ now? Yeah, we're three weeks in so my son's through three weeks old today and uh we're all exhausted except for him so. <laughs> you have not had a night's sleep since either well we're glad you're able to be here with us today uh i see something's on your mind our program director scott is with us scott what were you thinking and his son is him it is a duplicate it's like I what mean, a segue yeah it's it's like you I could tell it looked like Jonathan before I saw the baby picture, but yesterday I saw Jonathan's baby picture and uh, Ray's baby picture. It is the same baby. Wow, that's fantastic. That's right, because you are the grandfather of Sarah. That's right. Yeah, congratulations. But I said it's a segue because we have two questions that we want to talk about today, and we're going to get to both of them. Uh, the first one, though, is, is a relationship, father and son. And I didn't think about this before we started the program, but it's a great segue, Scott. You brought it together. Father-son relationship. It's a special relationship, obviously. But we want to talk about the one that we find in the Gospel of John. There's some interesting and intriguing questions raised about that. Scott, why don't you go ahead and take it away? All right. So we had a question. Uh, and Jonathan, why don't you go ahead and read that question for us? 
Yeah, so Dan asked, uh, if Jesus and God are one, how come Jesus said God's will be done? Wouldn't that imply Jesus is subject to God and not one with him? So we're several things to be talking here. We're going to kind of in a minute start working our way through the Gospel of John and looking at a number of statements. And what we want to be careful to do is not go beyond what the scripture said, but note what the scripture says. Uh, and so it'll uh, establish some points. And if we get to speculating beyond those, sometimes we can get in trouble, but we'll, we'll, we'll look at these. Uh, but to begin with, let's notice um, the idea that Jesus and the Father are one is stated in more than one place. But one of those places is John 17, where he said, I and the Father, he's referred to he and the Father being one, but also in that very same statement, he's praying that his disciples will be one. I pray, Father, that they will be one, even as you and I are one. So keep that in mind about how oneness can be used, and we'll get to that a little bit more detail later. And the other thing is that um, when he said, let God's will be done, I think he's probably referring to Jesus's prayer in the garden, where he's about to have to take on all the sins of the world and bear that in his body and be scourged and crucified for it and mocked and spat upon. And he says, if possible, let this cup pass away from me. But then he says, what? You're not my will, but your will. Your will. Yes, not my will, but your will be done. Now, he doesn't use the word God there. He uses the term, uh, he's praying to his father, Abba Father, in, in Mark chapter 14. But he's asking God the Father for that. And he's accepting, but not my will, but your will be done. And so how could there be a difference there in will? Um, and let's begin with uh, John chapter 1. And we're just going to work our way through the gospel of John and look at several statements. So here in John 1, 1, uh, somebody read the first three verses for us, please. That's easy. I got that one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. All right. And who is this word? You come down to verse 14 and what does it say? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth, can be no other than Jesus. Exactly. So the word is Jesus, the one that became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory is of the son from the father. All right, so um, coming back then to the beginning and looking at this again, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Let's do this before we proceed. Very purposefully, what language does verse one call to mind? Genesis chapter one. Yeah, yeah. Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, and we had, you know, uh, God created the heavens and the earth, 
And as he was creating different things, what do we see him doing? Like on the first day, God did what? He spoke and there was yeah. light. Yeah, he let there be light and there was light. Let there be this and there was this. Let there be that and there was that. And so I think that's what John is echoing off here. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. God used his word and then that word becomes flesh and we have Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is the life in him was life. He is the light of men. And we had John who bore witness of him, and then he comes into the earth. So um, he's with God, and I would take that he's with God the Father, but John says he also was God. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not a statement that Jesus states as he begins his ministry. This is a statement that John gives us later introducing this mm -hmm. um so this is long after the ministry wait a minute wait a minute uh let me interrupt for a second so this statement is a statement written by john uh the apostle john right. and what you're saying is that the john the baptist a different john is what then brings this in again no 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 not this the, uh john the baptist will come in down here in verse six but what I'm saying is John chapter one, verse one is not a quotation from Jesus. It's right. a statement from John. So in other words, Jesus didn't his, begin his ministry going around saying, I was God, everything was created through me. In fact, Jesus doesn't usually go around saying I'm the Messiah. He's, he's dropping hints and clues here and there. And he's calling people to believe but he's, he's uh, like, even when John the Baptist in prison asked for confirmation, are you the one? Does Jesus just go, yes. <laughs> Instead, he does what? Look what's happening. You saw the blind healed. You saw this happening and, and all these things happening. And so that, that implies, yeah, but he doesn't come out and say, yes, I'm the one. Right. And when Peter said, you are the Christ, he said, who do men say I am? There were several answers. Who do you say I am? You're the Christ. What did Jesus say to Peter? My father didn't tell you that. I'm sorry, you didn't tell it on your own. My father told you that, but he didn't come out and say, you're right, did he? Well, he said, and I say to you, you are Peter. So mm -hmm. he's confirming it, right. but then he tells them, is it Yeah, I think he told them, you know, I may be getting quoting it wrong, so let me just flip over there before I mistake. Matthew chapter 16. Um, he said, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter, this is Matthew 16, verse 16, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then in verse 20, he says, then he charged the disciples that they should tell no man that he was the Christ. My point here is just that not everything about Jesus's identity was he stating out directly to people during his ministry. Uh, neither his 
uh, automatic messianic uh, declaring his autom uh, his messianic identity, nor uh, the statement here about his being deity. Now there will be some times uh, that we'll see in the Gospel of John where he will tell somebody privately he's the Messiah, mm -hmm. and he will use the language before Abraham was born, I am. So there are some things pointing in that direction, but Jesus is not going to be walking around for three years just saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm et cetera, et cetera, nor mm -hmm. I'm deity. All right. So with that out of the way, let's continue now uh, from John 1. Um, let's jump up ahead now to John, because we're talking about the relationship of the Father and the Son. So let's jump up to John chapter, well, John 142. Uh, what does John the Baptist say about Jesus to the crowd? Yeah, that's that's in that's John 1:34. Um, actually, there in the beginning in verse 29, uh, whenever he sees Jesus, he calls him the Lamb of God. So behold, this is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of God, calling back to the the old law and and understanding that this is who's going to take away the sins of the world, the one that he's been saying is coming after him that's mightier than he is and all of that. And he uh, gives reference in verse uh, 32, uh, referring to whenever he baptized Jesus and the spirit descends on Jesus and the voice from heaven came and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased um, and uh, uh, that type of thing. And he says there in verse 34, I have seen and borne witness that this is the son of God. So you have right there in the same chapter, the word was God was with God, but then he's also the son of God, the lamb of God who was sent by God. Right. All right. And then in chapter three, let's jump up to chapter three. And uh, we have here in verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So God here, this would be God the Father, sends his son into the world. Uh, so although there's a oneness of the Father and the Son, there's also a distinction it is not the son that sends the father into the world. It is not the father that's going to be nailed to the cross. It's the father that sends the son into the world. Any other thoughts on this before we move forward? Just, uh, I think maybe as a segue, you mentioned the, the there's the oneness, but also the distinction. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more in chapter 17, but Jesus also mentions a few distinctions between himself and the father, which I think we're going to John five next um, and seeing some of the things that are similar, but also different. All right. Very good. Let's go to John chapter five. And uh, I was going to start in verse 31, but do you have something earlier in the text you want to go to? Yeah. In verse 19 uh, of John five, Jesus says, uh, uh, or says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever, whatever the father does that the son does likewise for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel for as the father raises the dead and gives life. So also the son gives life to all who he wills for the father judges no one, but has given judgment to the son 
that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Um, and goes on to talk about how he will be judging and and uh, those that he passes into judgment will pass from death to life and those types of things. So that's an interesting distinction that you see there where you see the father has given authority to the son, but also the son is subject to the father. The things that he does, not of his own accord, it's the father's will. So we start to see that start to be introduced in the gospel of John of where Jesus is subjecting himself and relying on the father. And there are other things that show up in the gospels. I don't know a reference in John, maybe you do Scott, but in, in Matthew nine or Matthew chapter 12, Jesus will make it pretty clear that the miracles that he performs, which he talks about this a little bit later in John chapter five, the miracles that he performs are not of his own power, but of the power of, of the spirit of the spirit of the father. Um, and, uh, so he's not relying on his own strength, his own power, but rather su totally subjecting himself to the father's will and also the father's power in order to, uh, confirm the things that he's saying. Uh, Scott, before you go to your yeah. next point, um, so I'm seeing you, you we're, we're reading out of the scriptures, a distinction between the, the, the identity as the father and the son. We also read in the beginning with John chapter one, that he was, he was God. Can you go back and read the question that a lot of people have been coming in lately, uh, you know, later than when we started? What was the question that we're addressing? Yeah, so it was a question from Dan that says, if Jesus and God are one, how come Jesus said God's will be done? Wouldn't that imply that Jesus is subject to God and not one with him? Okay, good. So, Scott, you wanted so us to go to chapter see. John 5. So, and, and on that statement, we see in, in, in the Gospel of John, we're going to see over and over the idea that, yes, the Son is subject to the Father. Uh, we're going to see this idea brought together a number of times. And even when we have, and all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth, um, and that he's reigning in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul will point out, now when it says that he's put over everything, Paul points out what qualification in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, when it says everything is put under his foot, he said there's one clear exception to that. The father is the exception. Yeah, the father that put everything in subjection under Jesus' feet is not himself under Jesus' feet. But Paul will say, and then he will reign until, um, you know, the last enemy death is defeated at the resurrection and he delivers the kingdom back to the father. So let's watch for this father-son relationship. And very much the one of the things about a father-son relationship is who is the authority figure. And uh, if, if, you have, if you have a king and he sends his son somewhere, that son is an authority over other people, but the son himself has a father. And, and so we'll see this over and over here. Uh, so as Jonathan pointed out here, the son can do nothing of his own accord, only what he did, sees the father doing. Uh, let's continue with this idea. Um, he says in verse 30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And the question had to do with the will of God. If Jesus and the father are one, why isn't their will the same? Uh, and I believe that most of the time their will was the same. Mm -hmm. But in the garden, when he says, nevertheless, or but not my will, 
but your will be done, I think we do see two things. One, that there can be a difference in the will of the one who has become flesh and is about to have to go through that agony and take on all that sin and be punished for it. And there's also, um, I forgot the second thing. <laughs> Does anybody else have any point on that? I think eventually when we when we get there, one thing that I'll, I'll point out as we're going through this um, and looking at the relationship that Jesus has with the Father, um, it's really, really cool as when we get to John 17 of what he prays, that he, he prays that that we will have a oneness just like the Father and Jesus have a oneness, have that, that unity and that oneness. Um, and so in a lot of ways, how Jesus lives his life whenever he was here on earth as a man, uh, he kind of paves the road and shows us how our relationship with the Father should also operate, how we rely on him, how we subject ourselves to him and his will and those types of things. And Jesus perfectly illustrates that in his own life. Yes. And, and that was the second point. Now, I remember uh, the, other, the second thing I want to say, not only is there, do we see a distinction there in the preference of whether or not, because in the flesh, Jesus in the flesh you can't be looking forward to getting spat on, scourged, nailed to a cross, hanging there till you die, and, and taking on all the sins of the world, bearing that in your body and you being suffering the punishment for all that sin. That's not going to be a pleasant thing uh, to go through. And But then we have the subjection, which is what you're talking about, which is why he says, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And so that subjection is very important. Um, in verse 31, he said, if I alone bear witness of myself, my testimony is not true. Um, and he says, he gives three things that do bear testimony of it. There's John the Baptist for testimony. And then he said, he's got a greater testimony. What's the greater testimony that he refers to in verse 36? Oh, the testimony of the father. Yes. And just like Jonathan pointed out in Matthew 12, when he cast out the demon and he said he did it by the spirit of God, here he points out that these works are things that the father has given him to do. Uh, I want to point a side point out here. I'm, I would not say that Jesus couldn't have done miracles on his own. In fact, in Matthew chapter four, if he couldn't have just done a miracle on his own for his own purposes, what would have been the temptation of the first temptation from the devil? He's been out there without food for how many days? 40. 40 days. And how does the devil try to tempt him? The devil tells him to do what? Turn these stones into bread. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, um, if I was somewhere for four days without food, I would really want food. But you know what? I wouldn't be tempted to turn a stone into food. Why not? You didn't have the ability to do it on your own. You didn't have the ability to do it, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I might be tempted with something else, but I would, boy, I'm really tempted to turn that stone into bread. It can't. Mm -hmm. Now, God could turn from a, a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish into enough to feed thousands. 
he could get water out of a rock. If it was God's will, he could turn stone into bread. But Jesus didn't come here to make things easy on himself. He came here to be subject to the Father and to show us how to do that mm -hmm. and to be dependent on the Father. Mm -hmm. Do we get to do a little bewitched thing, you know, twinkle, twinkle, and just change things whenever we're in a difficulty? No. No. Would Jesus have been setting a helpful example for us if he just used his own power to, say, make the nails not hurt or, no. you know, not get tired or not get sleepy? No. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's where... And so he's... And that's where that's where texts like uh, Hebrews show up, where in like Hebrews chapter two, Hebrews chapter four, that he was tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. And he kind of sets the example for us. He can, you know, uh, have that empathy with us and things like that as well. Yeah, very good. All right. And then he talks about the other witnesses. There's the scripture. And then, of course, it's going to end with uh, the, uh, the resurrection of the dead is gonna be a sign. But coming back to the things that he does, let's look at, for example, John 12, 42. Now this is passing a few other uh, texts that we can come back to in a minute. But while we're on this idea of Jesus being dependent on the Father, um, Jesus says here in verse 48, let's start with 47. Um, well, let's start with actually 44. Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but who? Yeah, the one who sent them. Yeah. See, that's the thing. He, he's pointing to the one that sent me. Whoever sees me, sees what? It's the one who sent them. Yeah. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The world, one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I spoke will judge him on the last day. But now look at verse 49. He says, for I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me and has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. So, um, in some ways, Jesus is doing what the apostles would do. Do the apostles go out and give their own word, or do they depend on, uh, depend on giving the word of God? Yeah, they depend on the word of God, and they have the Spirit guiding them. Yeah. Do they go out and do miracles by their own power? No. They depend on the Holy Spirit. So although I believe Jesus could have, uh, he had power because he, he, he was, as it says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and he was with God, and he was God. His purpose in coming here as the Son, his role was, of course, subjection. He is in subjection to the Father, and he's showing us how to be in subjection to the Father. Any thoughts on that before we move ahead? 
Yeah, going along with that in in the beginning, um, there's a comment that came in on Facebook. TJ said also, uh, in the beginning, God used the plural pronoun at creation. He said, "Let us make man in our image." So there's always been at least some distinction between the parts of God, or else he could have just said me or I. So it's not a New Testament issue, interestingly, um, which I think, yeah, is the the language in John chapter one is definitely. Uh, calling back to Genesis chapter one, and you can see there's this plurality kind of with God, uh, even in Genesis chapter one, when he's uh, creating man. So kind of moving from, from there, or Scott, did you want to say something? Oh, I was just going to mention, and later in Psalm 110, mm-hmm. in between the two events, we have the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand and rule mm-hmm. until right. I make the enemies put soil your feet which is, by the way, the passage Paul was echoing off of in that 1 Corinthians 15 passage we mentioned before. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, so going from there, so, so we see in the beginning of John, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, but it was God, was with God in the beginning. Um, and But then there's this distinction where Jesus is subjected to the Father's will. But there are also times in John where Jesus makes it pretty clear that he is god that he is deity and one of those is in john chapter 8 when he's talking with the the pharisees um and uh he starts talking about the witness that he has and those different kinds of things and we'll make the statement that uh if you want to be free you need to be in my word my my word will set you free um and they start talking about how they had never been in bondage to anyone clearly forgetting the israelite history um, yeah, so that's in John 8, 31, where Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And they say, we're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? Um, and Jesus goes on to explain some other different things and really get to the heart issue that they're having. But he'll make a statement at the end of John chapter eight, where he says, before Abraham was, I am, which is calling back to, to where? The name of the Lord given, right? Didn't he meant? Didn't God mention "I am" at the burning bush? In front of yeah, Moses? yeah. I think back in Exodus chapter three, whenever God is speaking with Moses at the burning bush, and Moses is saying, "You know, who am I supposed to tell them uh, has sent me?" Uh, God says, "You tell them I am sent you," calling to the eternal nature of God. You know, he he was and is and is to come, and so Jesus applies that to himself that he is eternal, that he is he is you know God. That's when they want. They picked up when they when they pick when he said that state to them statement to them in verse fifty nine of of John eight is when they picked up stones to uh, try to kill him because they knew what they knew what he was admitting to. So let's let's get that context. Um, they've uh, they've said, "Are you greater than our father Abraham?" Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I know him and keep his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And how did the Jews respond to that? You're not a, oh, you're not even 50 years old. How, and you've seen Abraham? Who do you think you are? And then here's this remarkable statement. Mm. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, 
I am. I am. Yeah. Now, if he was simply meaning I existed before Abraham, the grammatical way to say that would have been what? Before was, Abraham was. He would have said I was. Yeah. But he he says before Abraham was, I am. Mm. And, uh, you know, you remember Moses asking God, who shall I say? Tell them I am uh, that I am. Tell them I am since you. They picked up stones to throw at him. Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. All right, so we've got this repeated idea of subjection to God. Uh, and then what, what are some other verses that you guys want to hit in John? Uh, oh, we need this one at the end of John 14. Um, uh, I'll refer later. Well, let's, let's take a look at this Trinity quote here. Uh, can you see here where it says the Athanasian Creed? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. okay. So this is, uh, it, you've got the Athanasian Creed where Athanasius said, in this Trinity, a word not used in scripture, none is before or after another, none is greater or less than another. Um, let's come and see what Jesus says in John chapter 14. And I've got a bar here in my way, so let me get back. All right, so John chapter 14, and what does Jesus say? Um, well, let's just start here, read verse 25 through 28, please. So it says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. This is John 14, now verse 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, from whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let you be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Okay, so the Athanasius Creed says no one is greater than the other. What does Jesus say here? Father is greater. Now, does this mean the Father is more holy? No. More righteous? No. But the Father is the Father. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, what, what is... Um, David, what does Jesus say about David's quote in Psalm 110? You remember in Matthew 22, the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees have been asking trick questions, and then Jesus has a question for them. What was Jesus' question for them at the end of Matthew 22? Why does David call uh, the, or how is it stated? Uh, I don't remember exactly how he words it, but but why is the, the Lord... Uh, you know, why is there that authority hierarchy? I, I'm misquoting yeah. it, so maybe you can do uh, it. So in Matthew, it, it goes like this. The Christ, whose son is he? And they mm -hmm. said, David's. And he said, then why would David call his own son his Lord? Mm -hmm. And they don't know, <laughs> you know, uh, because, you know, Jesus is a descendant of David. But as we've seen, before Abraham was, Jesus says, I am. And... John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and through him everything was created. So there's a reason David could call him my Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a role of authority. The Father has greater authority. Mm -hmm. uh, and so with that, let's come to John 17. 
keep having stuff in the way of where I'm trying to be. Sorry for being kind of scattered here. John chapter 17. And let's address this here. There are people who on this subject have decided that Jesus is the Father. Because it'll say, I and the Father are one. He says to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so there's a group, they're called the United Pentecostal Church, is one of the groups that teaches this. And they believe Jesus is the Father. They believe that the Father existed, and then the Father became flesh and took on the name Jesus. And then the Father died on the cross, and then the Father rose from the dead and, and, and went back. There's a big problem with that. John chapter 17. How is John chapter 17 a big problem with that? Well, if uh, Jesus is the Father, who is he talking to? Is he talking to himself when he prays in John 17? Yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Did that leave him? I was going to think that that means there's a vacancy in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and who's Jesus talking to? Um, uh, it's Jesus is talking to somebody here. He's talking to his father. He's talking to one that is, John chapter 14, greater than he, who is in higher authority, the one whose will he came to do. And the one, let us put it very simply. Uh, one of my favorite examples of this is the widow of name. Okay, imagine you're Jesus. You're walking along, and here coming out of the little village is a funeral group. And here is a poor woman whose husband died and has left her a widow. That's sad. They had one child and he's a boy. And now that boy has died and he's about to be buried. And through the power of God, that boy's gonna be raised from the dead. Imagine you're Jesus. Would you like to raise that boy from the dead and hand him to the mom? Personally, yeah. If you're Jesus? Yeah. I'd love to do that. I'd be, you know, if, if this is the father's will and, and, and great, I'm, I, I, I can't think of a kind of a more enjoyable thing to do than walk up to a woman whose husband has died and now her son has died and take that boy, raise him from the dead and hand him back to the mom. Man, day's not going to get better than that. So often what the father would be wanting Jesus to do is of course what Jesus is wanting to do. But in the flesh as a man, can you be looking forward to all the penalties of crucifixion? In other words, looking forward to it, meaning oh, I can't wait to get there. Oh, that's no. Yeah. 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 Um, the, you know, there are things that we want, but we don't enjoy the way we have to get them. Uh, Jesus wanted us to be saved, but wanting us to be saved is different than enjoying or looking forward to or desiring the taking on all the sins of the world and being scourged and crucified. That's going to be miserable. It's going to be spiritually painful on a level that we can't comprehend, and it's going to be physically painful as well. Um, and so in the flesh, there was, uh, like, you know, what would you like to do today? 
nobody's answer in the flesh is usually going to be what I would like to do for my preferences today is go through crucifixion. But he's willing to do that, which is the subjection again. And it's part of the purpose. He, as he said, I came to seek and save the lost. And so Jesus knows this is coming. And he lifted up and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. And you are the only true God, et cetera, et cetera. And then he prays for them. And he, he hears this language of one. Um, he says, after praying for the apostles, somebody read verse 21, verse 20 and 21, please. I do, not ask, I, I do not ask for these only, but for those also who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as you father are in me and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And he says the glory that you have given me, I've given them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Um, now, there's a oneness that Jesus and the Father have that would not be the same oneness that we have. But there's a oneness of unity here that Jesus is asking for us to have the same oneness that they do have. Uh, as disciples, may we sometimes have a will that's different from a different disciple. Yeah. Yeah. And are we called in 1 Peter 5 to submit to one another? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are we called in Philippians 2 not to just do things for our own interest, mm -hmm. but also for the things of others. others? And whose example does Paul point to to illustrate that we shouldn't be selfish and only do things for our own will or for our own desire or our own? He talks about, he talks about when Jesus emptied himself and came to the world, submitted himself to the Father. Yeah, so let's, let's take a look at that. We'll get there first, and then we'll back up a chapter. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, complete my joy. Have the same mind, the same love, being of what? One mind. How do you do things of uh, one mind? Well, what does it say in verse 3? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look out to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore... God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So let's, let's sum up with some conclusions that we might draw. We might not be able to answer every question that we have. Uh, all of a sudden I've lost where I can see everybody. Wow, I can't see anybody. No, that's all right. Focus, Let me focus back on Zoom. Okay, there we go. 
Yeah. Let me just, we have a couple of questions that came in. Maybe we can answer these um, really quickly and then, and then start wrapping up. Um, Holly asked um, relating to John chapter one, verse one, uh, where it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Um, what response would uh, you give to somebody that says, my translation says the word was a God. And I, I looked that up uh, really quickly. I think the new world translation says the word was a God. Yeah. So that's the Jehovah's Witness Bible. It says the word was a God. They also in John 8, where Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am, they also change that to I was. Now in their interlinear, it shows that it's actually I am, but they, 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 they bend it that way. And when you say, um, when you change the capital G to a small g, and put the A in there, you're creating distinctions that weren't, that, that, that John didn't put there. Uh, for example, uh, in the manuscripts, we don't have, you know, the one is in uh, the, uh, a big G and the other is a little G, and they also don't have the indefinite article in Greek. Uh, we've got the definite article and the indefinite article. The definite article is the, you know, uh, I saw the bird. That means some specific bird. I saw the bird. But we can say, I saw a bird. That's indefinite. Well, in Greek, there's no such thing as an indefinite article. It's just the or not. Now, they mm -hmm. use the at time. They might, and the Jonathan said to the Drew, and then the Drew said to the Scott. You know, sometimes <laughs> they'll even use it before a person's name. Uh, the this, the that, but they don't have an A. So um, when they slide that in there, they're doing something that John didn't put in there. Go ahead, Jonathan. And then another question uh, from TJ. Uh, regarding the oneness and yet difference in will between the Father and the Son, is God's plan for marriage a parallel in which the wills may differ, but they are still one flesh? Not sure if there's a connection there or not. Oh, that's interesting. Very good. Yeah, that's interesting. And, okay, that's interesting. All right, so let's start putting in... Uh, some of, the, some of the things that we can conclude from this. But let's also mention this. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to God, but these things are written for your So there's some things that I may not understand and I would like to know, but sticking with what we've got, um, Jesus during his ministry identified himself often as the son of man uh, or as, and he will also say that he is the son of God um, he will use the language therefore he says before Abraham I was born I am he will tell as far as his being the Messiah he will tell the woman at the well privately I am him uh, he'll tell the blind man I am him John later will make the statement in the beginning was the word word was with God and the word was God but we also don't need to adapt language uh, creedal language that came later, uh, Trinitarian language and, and saying things like no one is greater than the other. In authority, Jesus acknowledges that the Father is greater than he. And throughout the Gospel of John, we see him submitting himself. Uh, and that's what we're called to do as well. Any other thoughts on any of that? 
just maybe one more verse to bring up in the Gospel of John that kind of illustrates what you said. Uh, after Jesus is resurrected and uh, Mary uh, sees him uh, outside of the tomb and she's clinging to him, in John chapter 20 and verse 17, uh, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father, to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And then Jesus, Mary goes and announces that um, there. So, so you see another verse where Jesus kind of shows that that distinction and submission, um, and I think ties it into our submission and relationship with with God. Also, how it's Jesus's Father and our Father, Jesus is God and our God, um, as well. So, uh, any Drew, other points you guys want to make? Drew, you also mentioned what Thomas uh, said at the end of the Gospel of John. Yeah, I don't have that verse open, but uh, he he uh, when he recognized that Jesus was raised from the dead, and he said, "My Lord, my God," recognizing who he was, and Jesus did not d deny that. Yeah, that's John chapter twenty, verse twenty-eight. Uh, if somebody wants to go and read that, yeah, and look at that. Well, we had intended to get in another short question afterwards, but we ran out of time, so we won't be able to have get that today. Uh, we can get that another time. That'd be good. All right. Well, thank you guys for your discussion on that. Thank you to our audience for your participation. Uh, if you have more questions uh, about this topic or any other topic, uh, you can submit those to us at biblequest.org. And we'll be happy to uh, talk about those in our later shows, uh, maybe next week or in following weeks. But that's all that we have for this Tuesday. And we will see you all next week, Lord willing.